True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Okay, well, welcome back to True Crime Broads. We have our very special guest today. This is Daniel Underwood's sister, Stacy. Stacy, welcome to True Crime Broads. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. So um, tell us a little bit about um, your brother and the, uh, the day that, that you learned uh, what had happened. Um, well, my brother, he had um, three sons. And they would always go to the lake or hang out, cook out. He was always doing stuff with them. Um, I had actually moved in with him um, the end of June-ish, I guess, um, to help him pay rent and his bills and everything. And what year was and this? Then, this was in 2008. Okay, go ahead. And then um, she moved in July 4th weekend. And then I had moved out really recent after that because I just didn't get along with her. And so um, I was asleep. I just talked to my mom, um, September 4th of 2008. And, um, I remember thinking I was going to text my brother. I love you or something. And I was like, no, cause he'll probably reply with, you know, well, what do you want? You know, <laughs> how he's around about stuff. Right. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to, you know, argue with her. If she was there or whatever. So I didn't text him. And then probably 10 minutes later, I hear my mom saying, what, what do you, what do you mean? Is he okay? Is he okay? And like, you know, freaking out. Right. And um, she tells me to go wake up my dad and she won't tell me why. So I go wake up my dad and tell him, you know, we have to go to Bubba's house. So I don't know why. And then when I come back down, I keep bugging her about, you know, what's going on. And um, she's like, well, Bubba got shot. And then I'm thinking, what do you mean he got shot? Like in his leg and his arm? Like, you know, I'm totally lost at that point. Um, so then I know we went up there um, to the house and they wouldn't let us in. And then um he was in the ambulance when we got there, which we didn't know that at the time. And then they sent us um, to the hospital. But when we got to the house first, um, Rebecca was out there and it was kind of like misting rain. And she had um, like two phones that she kept putting in and out of her pocket. And she was hugging my mom and, you know, all kinds of stuff that was just like, you know, you would think she should have been kind of limited to one spot and not allowed to touch stuff. And, you know, like, right. Whatever. Like normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so we went to the hospital and then there was even people that we found out later that was at the hospital, um, that was there before we got there, that was calling her and letting her know, like when they took us to the chapel and all kinds of just weird situation. Like, why was these people up here when they wasn't supposed to have known anything about it? So she was contacting people? Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm, and they were calling her like when uh, we went to the chapel, they was calling her to tell her that. And that's even on some of the police audio interviews. You can hear her answer the phone and hear someone telling her like they're um, took the family to the chapel or something like that. Um, and it was just a weird situation. Hmm. That is weird. You think, I mean, they, they do have uh, specific things that they, they normally do with the uh, witnesses and people that are there uh, and you're referring to Rebecca for everybody who's listening um yes wow so at that point um y'all are at the hospital she's talking and doing whatever and she hasn't her hands haven't been tested or has she been questioned or anything at this point point? and when we got to the house no and then um I want to say they questioned her before they let her come up to the hospital 
Um, but I'm not sure how long, you know, that was in between. And um, I do know that she was calling people um, from her phone and from my brother's phone and was immediately telling them that she was the beneficiary and all this stuff while he was still laying, you know, in the hallway, bleeding and breathing like he wasn't dead. And she was trying to claim all his stuff. Oh, my gosh. Good Lord. That's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so did they... What did I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but the police, Stacy, what did they say or what did the investigators say about the gunshot residue um, on his hands versus on Rebecca's hands? Uh, well, at first, um, when my mom picked up um, the records or probably right before that, she had asked them, you know, about the GSR and the prints of the gun and everything. And they said that it, the GSR was only on his hands. There was not on hers. Okay. But once we got the records back, they didn't even send off for the GSR to be tested until like a couple of days after she requested the records. Ah. And then um, we did get the results back and he only had it on like his left hand. And it was like on his um, finger, kind of like um, soot or where it could have been maybe at the barrel of the gun, like maybe pushing away. It's kind of my thought of it because it's like a solid mark. It's not where it's bent around anything. Right. And um, there was none at all on his right hand and he's right handed. Um, and then she had the recoil bruise on her leg. Mm-hmm. And then um, she did have some on her. And then they said that we my mom would have to call the lab or wherever to get the explanation of the amounts or something, which basically just said that. She could have fired it, but they can't really prove it because also the conditions of the weather or her, you know, touching other stuff and washing or wiping her hands. So basically their error is the reason they can't prove that she did it. I guess probably. And I know also they didn't test the gun for any fingerprints. Wow. And then when they brought the gun out to give it to my dad, they was walking it um, down the hallway and was like, kind of wiping it off, you know, like shining it up for someone, like if they was going to sell it type thing and handed it to my dad. So we do have, you know, the gun, but it was never tested for anything. Who is they? Who is it that had the gun giving it to your dad? Uh, the police department. I don't know. One of the investigators, I guess. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Hmm. And then um, another thing that we thought was weird too about the gun, um, it was a gun that he had borrowed from one of his friends. So um, his friend told us he had sent a half box of birdshot shells and I think like three um, pellet shells or something like a slugs maybe. And what was used was a buckshot and it was the wrong size, a double up buckshot. And it was the wrong size for that gun. And we couldn't, we didn't find any of the ammo that was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this one lone wrong size shell that was used that you know my brother obviously knew a gun and wouldn't put the wrong one in there so that was a weird test also so that kind of makes people think that perhaps that was something she orchestrated because like you said your brother would have known what to use right right Right. yeah and i know um they said that's why they thought the gun had broke open because the gun was broke open um, but my dad when he got the gun back um he was a police officer for years and you know hunted he knew gun stuff and so he got the same size shell and shot the gun um, once or twice. I'm not sure, but it didn't ever break open after the shot or anything like that. Like it still shut properly. So it wasn't based on that either. And that's how they tried to 
conclude their statement as far as why it looked like someone tried to open the gun. So are you, when you say break open, are you talking about where the, the rifle um, or the shotgun, whichever it is, um, opens up for you to put the shells in? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. Okay, just for anybody listening so I can understand. Wow, that's interesting. Hmm. And do y'all know what kind of um, shell was used in it? Um, it was, I think, a, a three and a half. And what was it supposed to be? I don't remember if it was three and a fourth or two, two and three fourths. It was, you know, just a little bit, you know, difference, but. Yeah, but it's still it different. Still yeah. Wrong. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Excuse me. As far as you know, Stacy, where does the investigation stand now? Well, um, they closed it. Um, before they ever sent the GSR, you know, off mm -hmm. or any of that. So to the city, basically it's closed. I know um, we have spoke with the JP, you know, to try to get some stuff, you know, re-looked at. And he just felt like he didn't really have the authority to do much. And then my mom tried to speak with the DA and he wouldn't even set up a meeting to talk to my mom. Mm -hmm. And they had the secretary call her and tell her basically that he agrees with their investigation to just you know kind of move on that it's it's closed and they wouldn't talk to us at all about it so I don't really have any hope for them doing much without being kind of you know pushed into it more into the light with everything right and then we really have that star witness is Maria coming forward years later and saying you know actually you know I did see something and then we also have um Jenny who Rebecca met years later and pretty much confessed to Jenny. So we did an episode with Jenny already right after we had your mom on. So when you piece all this together, it looks like it's time to reopen the case. Yeah. Right. And I know because um, Maria had spoke with my mom, um, I don't even know if it was a year after it happened and kind of told her everything, which of course the cops still didn't really care. Um, but that was after it was closed. Um, but I was at work one day and one of my brother's um, friends that he worked with um, came up there. And this was in the beginning of 09. So just a couple months after it happened and told me that we needed to look into talking to Maria because Maria had told some of her friends that Daniel didn't kill himself, that Rebecca shot him, that, you know, that she had a hold of the gun and she shoved it up in his face and shot him. So then I told, you know, my mom and dad, obviously kind of freaking out about it, that we have someone, you know, that was there that's seen it. And um, they contacted her in 09 and they spoke and that's kind of when it started out, which I mean, back then there wasn't like there was Facebook, but there wasn't so many, right, you know, links and podcasts and everything to do. So we was just kind of sitting on all this information and no one wanted to do nothing with it because, you know, we didn't have money for a lawyer. And then Rebecca didn't have money for us to say, like, do a civil suit. So therefore, no one would really look at it, and then the police don't care. So, mm -hmm. um, who was at the apartment at the time of the shooting? Well, it was a house, not an apartment. Oh, but I don't know why it's like an apartment. Sorry, <laughs> um, but it was Rebecca, my brother, and Maria that we know of. And um, there was um, some different kind of cigarettes in the ashtray and stuff sitting around the house. 
um, and cups and stuff like, you know, setting around kind of like there was more people there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a hundred percent sure who all was there. Okay. Um, I know that they said they're saying, you know, when the gun went off, it was just Maria and Rebecca and my brother. Okay. What's the approximate time of the of the shooting? Um, I would guess probably one twenty ish because my mom got the phone call at like one twenty four. I okay. think so. It's possible that they had people over and they had maybe just cleared out a little while before. Yeah. And and we have um the phone records where she had called a now and one from my brother's phone, and then you know called us and stuff on his phone, which I also thought was kind of weird that she used my brother's phone to call 911, you know, because you would think you would have your phone or call from your, I don't know. That was kind of weird. Do you think she was trying to make it look like he was still alive? I wonder why she picked his phone. That is. Yeah, because didn't somebody say she had to go get it? Like she didn't, she could have just pulled hers out and used her. uh I think Maria said that she had to go get the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, which I know. I don't, I don't even know, honestly, about it. It's just so crazy, everything that we know and then stuff that she did. Like, then she came back to the house after um, we left the hospital, and we was kind of told by police that, you know, they were still processing the scene, which they wasn't. But they let her go in, and she got his laptop, all kinds of stuff. Like, I know at least two or three, um, like, Durango load full of, stuff from my brother's house she deleted stuff off his laptop deleted contacts out of his phone um they was she took um like a ten thousand wedding ring and that was my ex-sister-in-law's just uh, and tried to sell them at the bars and everything and then they also tried to clean up when we got to the house um there was cleaning supplies all over the kitchen where they was about to start cleaning up stuff I don't understand how this doesn't get reopened, like, really fast. So when was the last time that you spoke to Rebecca? Um, I don't know if it was 2016 or 15-something, but she had tried to add me on Facebook, and, you know, that didn't go over too well, and we kind of had words, and then she was saying that she was going to sue me and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, go ahead. Let's, let's go ahead and take this to court and I'll bring up all this other stuff too, you know, you. That's but. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to sue you, but you're brilliant. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Um, okay. So she tried to add you on Facebook. Like, why would she do that? That's so weird. Yeah. I have no idea. And then she also had um, liked like a random picture. That was like my background picture thing. That was of, of my boy standing by my brother's headstone. And I'm like, seriously, you know, just, which I know she might not have actually meant to click lock, but knowing her, she probably meant to, you know, kind of in her mind, you know, but. Wow. I don't. Okay. So tell us about, I remember uh, there being something different about what the coroner said about um, the actual cause of death. Um, They just said, because my mom had spoke um, with them probably a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they said that they couldn't be certain um, if it was from murder or, you know, suicide, whatever, because they go off of the investigation that they just kind of determine, you know, obviously it was a shotgun with close proximity to his mouth or face so that they couldn't 
say 100% that it was suicide or not just based on the autopsy. Okay. So the autopsy, you know, doesn't prove that it was suicide. So basically that it could go either way based on the evidence that the police should have investigated and did. So like she would be willing, you know, to look at it or change whatever once the police actually do their work and send her, you know, the evidence of it, which should be more than it was a suicide, you know, because obviously we don't really think it was. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it to me for sure. Well, Stacey, is there anything else that you wanted to share about this situation while we're here on the episode? Um, I don't know. I'm, it, it's so hard. There's so much stuff, you know, that right. I know or whatever. I just don't know exactly. Um, what are the next steps? What What do you think would help this investigation to get reopened, what what can we do as citizens and people in Sulphur Springs that want to see it reopened? What would be some good steps that we could take? Um, I don't know. I think just people talking about it right. is kind of, you know, helping too. Um, but I know, you know, if anyone knows of any lawyers not in this area, like Dallas or other areas that, you know, that would even just talk to us and see, you know, kind of what our steps could be at this point. And because there is some stuff um, like on their police files that we've got Mm -hmm. where there's a little bit of stuff that's not adding up on there. Right. Um, I don't want to say really on here exactly what it is, you know, Uh, but there is some other situations where we might could go different routes, but it's just trying to talk to a lawyer around here. Everyone knows everybody. Yeah. And then trying to get a call into another lawyer, you know, somewhere else, it's hard to ever get anyone to call back because it's like, eh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it's weird. Sometimes people don't want to get involved for political reasons. They don't want to rock the boat mm-hmm. in their own community. I know what you're talking about. Sometimes it's hard to get something like this reopened or get attention on something because people, you know, just don't want to get involved. And that's sad. Yeah. Um, well, we really appreciate you coming on, Stacy. We're going to publish um, ideally all four episodes at the same time if we end up not being able to get Maria on. And for those of you listening, Maria was actually there in the home at the time of the when the shot went off, and we would love to have her on. So we're going to um, hopefully get Maria on soon and wrap up this series, and we're going to release them all at once as a four-part. And if for some reason we end up not getting Maria on, then we'll release it as a three-part. So we'll just see okay. how that goes. But Stacy, thank you so much for coming on, and... We will keep in touch with you and your family. We really, really have enjoyed getting to know you guys. And your mom is so sweet, too. So thank you for your time. And we'll see what we can do. I hope this raises some awareness on some level. I hope that True Crime Broads can help in some way. Yeah, hang on the line. Uh, when we get done, I wanted to tell you something. Okay. Thank you for being on. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on True Crime Broads for part three of the Daniel Underwood case. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.
shows dark. Flexing a form, push to start. You pull up in the Chevy, you so boring. My bank heavy, pull up in a foreign. If you start to talk, see you in the morning. Please don't speak, cause I'll be snoring. Oh no, bleep those back. Skirt off the block, black, 12 on the clock. I paint cash, you do the math. I watch the bag, you take the tab. I cut you fast, you out of gas. Skirt off the block, 12 on the clock. I paint cash, you do the math. I watch the bag, you take the tab. I cut you fast, you out of gas.